Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Okay, I'm going to just lean all the way in and say I'm going to be more dad and father today (laughs) than I am going to be host of a podcast here. Um, Look, I was saying off air to our guests that I'll be introducing you to in a second that approximately 75 to maybe 90% of the of the things that come into my inbox about, you know, potential interviews mm. these days have to do with artificial intelligence and applications of AI across the spectrum, uh, across really the lifespan in the here in the US and abroad. And look, as a father of an 11 and nine year old, I am keenly interested in the world that they're going to be entering and whether or not AI is going to be their sort of parallel partner, if you will, or if it's going to be like a number of college students that I work with talk about, you know, the concern it's going to take over uh, the opportunities that they may have. So we're really in for a treat today. We're going to be spending time with Ben Farrell. He is uh, at the New England Innovation Academy. If you check out their website as a parent, it was it just jumped off the screen for me uh neiacademy.org i think you're going to have the same experience but we're we're pleased to be speaking with ben today let me give you a little background so he comes from the international montessori school of, of beijing in beijing china prior to that he was the dean of students and director of leadership education at the web schools in california he worked in residential life about about how do you say that Bowden Bowden College. Bowden, yeah. yeah, Bowden College. (laughs) And earlier in his career, he worked in the admissions at Thatcher School in California. He received Mm -hmm. his MA in higher and post-secondary education from the Teachers College of Columbia University in New York and completed graduate work in cross-cultural conflict transformation and reconciliation at the School for International Training in Vermont. Ben, what a treat to spend some time with you today. Um, I want to share what you said off air because I think it's a great launch point, which was... You mentioned even the name of the institution, right? Having innovation in its name. Um, I'm big into names, whether it's kids or (laughs) storylines. I'm Mm. sure that that was done with with a level of intentionality. Yeah. Um, Speak to me a little bit about what innovation, because look, that's obviously a term. And in education, we are guilty of, uh, I mean, coming up with words and phrases uh, that we think are going to be around for generations and they're not. They're typically overused, but tell me what it means to be innovative in an educational setting while we are honoring the past Mm -hmm. and supporting a future that is primarily unknown. Yeah, what a phenomenal question. And, um, you know, I hope I'm qualified to give some pieces of an answer that I believe in on that. (laughs) But um, but first, just most importantly, it's so good to be here with you. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. This is really exciting. And um, uh, just hello, everyone. So my name is Ben and, you know, here. At the New England Innovation Academy, we we really do focus in on that word innovation, and we try to do our best to not have it be sort of a word we say and then everyone kind of smiles and goes on about their day. You know, we really do challenge ourselves um, in all the ways that we can to be innovative and in thought and indeed as well. So, um, first off, for our we, we're three years old, so we're brand new. Uh, you know, think about a school starting in these last couple of years coming out of COVID. So there's lots of opportunity there and lots of challenges there too. Um, I'm, I'm so proud to work here because of our students and our staff and our families and everybody who's kind of taken stepping out on the limb because there's just so many amazing schools um, around the country, certainly in the Boston area, and to have the opportunity to help create something new and unique and needed and recognizable too. You know, we, we know that there's, we have to be aware of the market and be connected to that. Um, but I think we're really trying to do something different um, 
but connected. And I, you know, I was saying to Rod right before we started talking that I do think that a real positive of our school is that because we are who we are um, and innovation is in our title again, that we can try some stuff out here that I know at some of my wonderful previous schools might have had a harder time because of the, you know, historical, the inertia of a school. And there's no, you know, there's no like right way to do this. I think we are all about a year ago, many of us became very aware of chat GBT that just sort of yep. landed in all of our doorsteps. Um, some people obviously had much greater understanding of that. And we just decided to dive into it and to be open to it because there's no way to kind of like stop this conversation. And um, just briefly, Rod, and you can, you know, rail kind of bring me back <laughs> in if I'm getting out too far. Um, the first thing we did is I sat down, one of my roles here is I'm the assistant head of school and the director of the upper school. I sat down with the upper school kids and just said like, hey, tell me about what you're thinking. Like, what are we gonna do? And the ability to have that very open conversation was amazing to start. And at first you could kind of tell that there was <laughs> some of the upper schoolers in the room, but like, oh, he knows about it now. So we know about it well, probably a couple weeks before Ben, but then that conversation really um, took off. And the wisdom in that room has guided me over this past year and guided our school as well. So one of the first things the kids said was that, um, that AI, generative AI can teach us how to be more human. And that was a, a, a 11th grader that kind of blew my socks off. And I've tried to use that wisdom and those thoughts from that, that day uh, as a guide in where we've gone. And um, some of those places, Rod, we've jumped in and we said, you know, this is a bigger conversation than just us. And we wanted our students as, in a, as a place of innovation to be involved in a larger conversation. So we brought in a wonderful um, educator and leader named Kathleen Kennedy from MIT, who is among uh, one of her many titles is the head of collective intelligence, director of collective intelligence at MIT. And she gave a keynote and we, we invited a group of other schools to come in. And we just sat down with all those students in May and said, what do we do? And um, they gave us a list of recommendations that was just from them not being programmed from us or the adults. And it was amazing. And the first one um, was allow it in schools. That is what all of the students from the five different. So the first was to allow it in school. Just, just allow it, just to have it as part of the conversation, um, and you know, in different schools, some some places it's allowed, and some places it certainly isn't. So that was a baseline. But I'll pause there, Rod. I don't want to. Yeah, no. So well, yeah. I don't want to miss out on this because, look, some of the, the I think the traditional tenets of education are around. You know, you matriculate, you matriculate through, right? The rods and the bends matriculate through school and we have benchmarks to understand whether or not we are comprehending what is getting put in front of us. Are we digesting yeah. that intellectually, right? Yeah. And do we have the supports in place to help get us to the places that we've earmarked our, our guideposts to say that right. we are achieving what we need to as a student and a, as a school. But what we're talking about here with generative AI and what we're yeah. talking about when a student in 11th grader says, I think generative AI can teach us to be more human. Yeah. We're now, we're sort of leaving at the gate. We're getting on a plane <laughs> without our carry-on, right? Without the the sort of the blanket or the, you know, the stuffed animal of comfort right. that says, we know where we're going because we've right. been doing it for so long. And we right. have the systems in place to at least audit and make sure we're doing it right. correctly. And we can report on those efforts. Right. But what I'm hearing is I'm hearing not bravery, yeah. not just bravery from students, but parents. Yep. staff and leadership. So yeah. help take me into a staff meeting <laughs> to understand yeah. 
the personality, the demographic of a teaching cohort that is in essence, okay Mm. with the unknown and not just Mm. from a marketing right perspective, or it's nice to say at an event, but living and breathing the, the okay and the understanding of the anxiety that may come from the unknown, because it feels like that has to be step one. Yeah. Yeah to allow the creativity and the free form, because it's really free form to some degree of these artists that are students. We're just changing the paintbrushes and the paint with which they use. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I I really appreciate that. You know, I I do think that it's, um, you know, in our teacher meetings and our staff meetings, just like every staff meeting as you can imagine across the country, (laughs) we were all over the map on this. And it was, you know, conversations similar to this is going to, you know, it was even with our students as well. It's like, you know, are we going to be able to, are we losing the ability to think and act create, you know, um, in a creative way because AI will do that for us. And what are they not going to get, you know, is if they can just generate a paragraph, does that mean that we in a couple of generations won't be able to write because their computers will do it for all of us. And I think what we have embraced here and in some places tentatively, it's not, you know, just high fives and roses and, you know, candy everywhere, but it's around that if we're going to utilize AI in our classrooms, that one, if a student is utilizing it, that they need to cite it. It needs to be shown and seen. It's not something that you can, you know, late at night, 2 2 a.m., you're trying to rip out that essay and you just send it in. That's not what we're trying to do. And of course, of course, students will take, you know, make mistakes and be teenagers and challenge what's going on. But we're trying to take some of that stigma away so that, listen, if you're using this to generate ideas, that was one of the the, the first things that I think everybody agreed upon was the idea that this could be a really helpful tool in generating ideas. And if you utilize that, you just have to cite it. You have to show that, hey, I have this really thoughtful, cool idea. It was one of five that I, as I put in some search terms and some some, some some thought and kept prodding and prodding that came to this idea. And that as a school, we're saying that in general, you know, um, that we're excited about that because that helps our students narrow and get to something really interesting. And as they write, you know, they're writing this on their own. Um, but the idea is as an example, um, there's other ways we use it too. You know, and some of, I was just talking to our, one of our humanities teachers and he was saying that, you know, it, as students are beginning to understand kind of the form and shape of a paragraph, let's put in a paragraph in the chat GBT and then ask it some questions. Ask it, let's look at the grammar in this paragraph. Do you agree with what it's saying? Do you, do you see any faults with what it's doing? You know, our, and, you know, some of our students are doing between different platforms as well to see how can they continue to learn. And um, someone who, as somebody who has struggled with this in his life with my grammar and understanding what what is a past participle and all these different pieces. And that that really chased me in my time in my educational mm-hmm. career. This is something that I know could have been extraordinarily beneficial for a kid like me. Well, not anymore, a younger, younger version of myself, because I could have said, I need a concrete example to understand. Once I see it, I can get it. I don't need theoretical. Show me. And this is a way you can sit there and, and frankly, take away some of the shame that I felt growing mm-hmm. up, because well, I don't want to ask this question because I should know this. And I'm Oh my goodness, all of that goes away. You can sit and get help. And that's that's one of the other places that we're trying to help our students coming out of COVID as well to find this space to get some help and to take some of that that pain and shame away. Now, your school, like so many around the world, you're dealing with students that are digital natives. Yeah. Um, and so 
I don't have um, any concerns or they're they're minimal when it comes to can students embrace this world of mm-hmm. sort of deconstructing the way in which they may have looked at an academic mm-hmm. assignment in the past and finding new pathways of understanding, experience, exploration. Right. My question would be in how much education, mm-hmm. to sort of put the students aside in the AI, but how much mm-hmm. education and conversation do we need to have as an industry Mm. Not just to support a new generation of educators, sort of an updated version that's living in this now world, right. um, but the parent and also in the way in which we would, if we were coach, if we were working together in a school, Ben, where mm. do we have the, do we have the skill set in what we're observing that we can then ascertain the skill acquisition mm. of a given student mm. within this new field of play? Like, how do we do that so that we can recognize? Because right now, you know, it's like, uh, you know, doing um, my nine-year-old, right? Working on sort of uh, working on vocabulary last right. night with me, right. you know, in the kitchen and sort of, okay, that's something that I can relate to because I did right. that, right? right? But now we're trying to do something different where how do we make sure that we are prepped to right. recognize yeah. skill and or the deficit to support right. a student? No, that, that's a great question that I think is an ongoing answer for all of us. And I, I think one of the things that we felt really strongly at the very beginning, as we became aware as an institution of AI and kind of, again, it all landed around a year ago, was like, how, how do we help our students and our community know that we, if we're going to utilize these technologies and to, do, to utilize them ethically? Because we obviously we can see very quickly how these can spin to some really negative places very quickly. So one, again, and apologies for repeating myself, but taking some of the shame, taking some of like the, under the, the cloak of night doing these things to say, hey, this is how we can use it. And now let's use it ethically and thoughtfully. So that's, I feel like we all have a responsibility. And to your earlier point, Rod, it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary because we're building the plane as we fly it. You know, we are building, knowing that probably three months from now, whatever is out there is going to be so much more powerful than what we have right now. And what are the things that we don't know? Um, And to try and build ethically towards a place that we don't know where it's going to end. As you were saying about you and I, as we grew up, we had our touchstones, we had our touch points. We don't anymore. And all we can do in some places, all we can do is make sure that we are doing this thoughtfully. We are doing this with um, some empathy around kids making mistakes and making poor choices and doing it uh, again with an ethical mind the entire time. Because then we can, as we understand that technologies, we can, that's where we can, our framework comes back to that. That, hey, you made a choice. This is a new platform. What are you doing? You know, I have some students working on things that are shocking. Please. No, no, please. I'd love an example of something that, what's the last one that shocked you? And you went, my goodness. I might, I would have struggled to compete with these students. <laughs> I mean, I struggle to compete with them right now. Um, <laughs> but we have students working on um, large language models where they are talking about ways to support people around the world to get better access to up-to-date cited healthcare. You know, to say, so it's not just like WebMD. It's not just, you know, I'm coughing on ChatGPT. It's these are the symptoms and then it gives you something and then it's translatable into hundreds of languages that anybody can access this. And it, it like it, it, you know, it, it, it moves me to a bit of emotion because to see what these kids are doing to not just for themselves, not just to like go make a quick buck, but they see the need in the world, you know, down the street, developing world, wherever it might be. 
and a way to help and to utilize their digital nativeness. There, there's a term for you, but their their ability and their the ease of use that they have with these types of technologies and their lack of fear. They're not afraid. They say, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. What can we do? I'm the one, I just have to get out of the way sometimes and just say, well, okay, let's, we're, we're still in these boundaries, right? We're not way over here, we're not way over here, but you're doing something meaningful. And that's one of the tenets of our school is that you know, in here, you, you don't have to wait. You know, For me, it was one day when you're senior VP of product development, then you got your chance, then you can make your, make your mark. Now it's like, hey, you got an idea at NIA, you can go make this happen. And we want to support them appropriately, ethically, morally, with you know, responsibly, but they can go get after it in a really powerful way. And so anyway, that that's it's just so exciting and overwhelming. I love that. I love that focus on sort of the social component, right? The the communal mm. impact. We talk about like impact investing in entrepreneur mm. circles, right? This is really mm. like creative impact or impact mm -hmm. creation. Mm -hmm. Um, I, one of the things I'm curious about, and it's interesting how I don't think this is a shock to people maybe in our generation. Mm. But it it's one of those things that it's like, we'll deal with that later. But you know what? It's yeah. here. And right. so I remember growing up and it was DOS, mm -hmm. <laughs> like the coding language that mm -hmm. dates me, right? right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you look at STEM and you look at all of these right. sort of how we define innovation in so many schools today, it's around coding. Right. But, you know, the conversation I don't hear is if we're defining innovation around coding, yet AI can mm -hmm. code yeah. <laughs> right. I have been I've been studying and watching documentaries and seeing how it's applied and everything from military to our everyday right. life. That role of coding is evaporating, if not already, right. because of the power of, of generative AI. Right. And so using that as sort of our backstop or our example, the exemplar here is how do we then approach the 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 acceptance of not knowing? Mm. The acceptance right. of not knowing so that we can be more facilitators right. than sort of dictators of knowledge right. and, and speaking to students. Because if I'm, a, if I'm a high school student with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, I might say, you know, you guys sold me a, a sort of a bill of goods around STEM and coding. Right. And that may already have been yeah. lapped. Right. Yeah. And we don't, yeah. I don't know for sure. It's not a definitive yeah. kind of a thing, <clears throat> but just the relationship with, that anxiety maybe as adults we have right <laughs> right to not right. have that it feels like we've got to get out of our own way right and potentially make some pivots here so just right. your response to yeah. that when we think about how we've either set them up for success or for right. sort of a short-term gain right well it's, it's interesting i know you just met me but I'll, I'll write that book with you about how to get adults out of their anxiety <laughs> and out of their own way i mean i think we everybody feels that right I and mean, we all feel that and, and certainly in these last couple of years have heightened that for all of us and i think we just look around our country and our world right now to see how we're all dealing with so much all the time um and i think again what, what i do and i have the luxury of this and i i know this for me here at mia that i when I feel that way, I have returned to the students. I return to their very wonderful, thoughtful, and, and I mean this in a very good way, basic, like, come on, Ben, wisdom. Not sort of like, it's a basic thought. Like, Ben, of course, like, let's take this down. And I sit with them and I listen. And I, I see that if they're able to do it, if they're able to do something that's not just, if I challenge them, be bigger than my worry about them cheating on an essay, 
or plagiarizing something and that I challenge them and give them the space and then give them support both again as we said earlier like in words and then in deeds as well and, and following up that they can do amazing things and that's that's the hope you know I I, I look at it quite honestly Rod is I think these, these are the generations that are going to change and save the world and part of my job part of our job as adults is to allow them to do that and to not get in their way and to arm them with all the things that we've learned that's come to us and now it falls to them and we support them with the, you know, again, the moral, ethical, thoughtful responsibility that we have learned, but then we also allow them to go and do it. And don't be afraid of where they go. Now, they're always gonna go out of bounds. And then that's part of our job to help them back in bounds. And then if we do that, I, I truly believe the sky is the limit. And um, we were so fortunate, as I mentioned, um, Kathleen Kennedy from MIT, our, our schools as uh, you know NIA then we have we call it a NIA forum which is kind of like a place where we are able to talk and have some open conversation and she led us in that conversation around collective intelligence so it's not just AI we're not just it's not Skynet taking over it's humans and AI working together for a better outcome for whatever it might be and that you know I think in the room that day last May there was a lot of hope and optimism about where we can go with this and to not always, which I think is part of us as adults, as a dad as well, a 10, a seven and an almost five-year-old, um, that I have to allow for the hope and optimism to shine forth as much as I my worry comes out as well. Ben, talk a little bit about the conversations with prospectives of families mm. uh, at NIA and whether it was what they didn't see that they were getting in other schools and or what they are looking for and hoping for and that conversation around sort of trust, because to your point, you know, you said, I think in the beginning, appreciating the parents and the families that, right. you know, believe in the mission of these very intelligent educators that have come together right. to create this sort of playground or right. sandbox of yeah. unlimited potential. Right. That's it. Thank you for that question. And, you know, I would start with my colleagues here. You know, we are as a school that's three years old. I've been here for this is my second year. And to see what they have done, and this is going to sound so silly, but it, it really rings true here, that every person, student, staff, parent, but just focusing on the staff for a moment, at the school has chosen to be here. Because, you know, there are so, in Boston, in, there are so many amazing schools within 40 minutes of us. Like, you can't throw a stone without hitting an incredible school. People have chosen NIA because we represent, as I said at the beginning, I think something uh, unique but needed, and that there. You know, how many times in a career would you be able to be part of an educational startup in this way? So we have these brave educators willing to step out on a limb and to be and deal with the the uncomfortable nature of not knowing, and that that takes a toll. Like, and that's something as a as a administrative team that we've got to continue to work on to be supportive of everybody in our school, but certainly our staff. But I think you know, there's there's two pieces to your original question there. I think coming out of COVID. Some, a lot of families saw us that initial year as a place where, you know, we, okay, we can be back in school, we can be face-to-face, -face, we're doing something a little bit different. COVID's been really hard on my children, and I want them to have a small school setting where they can dream and imagine and build. And now we have to make good on that. It has, it can't just be COVID, and now we're not, we're not where you were, we, we have to be who we are and where we're going. And so, um, I think as we continue to grow, you know, we're in startup and startup is a grind 
and we're in startup for a number of years. And there are people who will listen to this who know much more than me about startups. But it, it, it matters that we are able to keep our identity of that little school that opened with not a lot going on, you know, with the facilities were still being built, everything was still in flux to where we're going to be in 10 and 15 years. We have to keep that identity. And I think if we're true to that, those principles of allowing our students to be bigger than themselves and to fall and we help them get back up. And then we, uh, we give them the tools to get out in the world and go do the things that are, that need to be done. Then I think we will continue to be um, a school that really can say we're innovative, that we're not just going to fall back on inertia in 20 years and, you know, hey, we're innovative because we did something 20 years ago. We, we have to, this is, it's a constant iterative process that we follow through something called human-centered design, which is building something, something with empathy and love for the end user. And how do we get there? And that centers us as a community. What can we learn with regards to the student body there at NIA in this student transition, the onboarding process into a, into a new world. And we talked earlier about going to a different country and not being able to speak mm. the language, these sorts of things. Yeah. Going into NIA, I would think for a lot of kids who haven't had that experience, and this is a right. new frontier, right. there's an adjustment period that I would imagine is really golden when we think about how to understand that onboarding mm. process when we have been, this is more pejorative term, but like institutionalized in sort yeah. of what we believe education has been for us through the through the years mm -hmm. to this new world where I don't know why I had this memory I'm a movie guy but it's a little bit like uh, Shawshank yeah. when Morgan Freeman gets out and he's working at a grocery store and he has to ask to use the restroom yeah. and the the manager at the store says you're basically you're an adult you can right. you're free back. to take yeah. your right. bathroom right. break right? right um talk a little bit about that transition so that because I would imagine getting a student a given student at Nia sort of onboarded and excited right. and feeling comfortable is right. that's numero uno because at that yeah. point now they can embrace all the human-centered design and approach that you're talking about so what can we learn from that process great great question you know one of our founding pillars is belonging and togetherness and um, that means for a student to do well they have to be well they have to feel supported and seen and heard and challenged and so that, you know, our onboarding process, that's a very astute point. There is a bit of a culture shock, you know, as you step in and you think, okay, so when we talk about um, your voice matters here, that's not just me as the upper school director saying that and then walking into a meeting and then dictating out to where we go. What our students see here, and, and if, I'm, if we're doing our job the right way, which I, fingers crossed we are, but, you know, if, we, if we're doing our job the right way, our students see they have an idea, they come to us with it, and then I'm able to come back and say, hey, that's a really good idea. Here's what I've done. So an, an example of that, Rod, would be I had one of our uh, 12th grade students um, reach out a couple of weeks ago and say, you know, Ben, it would be great. He, he has a business. Um, and I, sometimes I feel like I'm the junior salesman for Pop Soap, which is a soap making business that Aaron and a number of other students have created together and I'm on the road with that all the time. But um, he said, you know, it'd be great to have a space to like, not just not my dorm room, a space. And then he said, he came back further and we started talking and he came back and said, well, it would be wonderful if we had a business incubator, business accelerator. And I said, Aaron, that's a phenomenal idea. And then I was able to go to our board and say, listen, we have this great idea from a student and we have this these wonderful board members and founders who understand that and what that means 
they got involved in the conversation. Now we have some senior advisors who have just come on from Babson and MIT. We, uh, we sat down and had a conversation with them last week. And we are moving, then I can, I'm going back to the student all the time and saying like, Aaron, now I know you, you wanted this like yesterday, but there's a thoughtful process. We're bringing this through and this is where we're going because of your idea. And that's an example of um, a student being involved in a process. So it's not just, you know, when I say that they're heard and seen, we actually, they have an idea and we follow through on it. And um, it's been wonderful to see where that's go where that goes. And I, I'm really positive about where it's going to end up. Now he might graduate before, <laughs> before it's <laughs> finalized, but he'll be able to come back as alumni and utilize it as well. But that's an example of a totally out of the blue idea that fits who we are. And that also in my previous wonderful schools, that wouldn't have been taken with the same level of, um, you know, we wouldn't have moved on it like that in the same way, but we can, you know, and we should, because that fits who we are. And a kid, a student is saying, this is something that could help the school and help me. Well, yeah, if we can do it, let's go see what we can do. Before I let you go, Ben, I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to know the, the sense or the relationship you have with sort of the responsibility of being mm. assistant head of the school, the upper school mm. director. Yeah. And I say that because what I, what I, already enjoy and appreciate in our interaction is I don't get the sense that you're someone sort of the classical, you know, if it's, if you have an idea, you're going to own that idea that it's mm -hmm. about ownership, what yeah, we right. would traditionally couch as ownership, that this is right. about, you are, you are, um, a facilitator within a certain segment of time of these young people. Yeah. And you want to make sure that the wheels are greased for them to be able to realize and develop whatever they want to do and, right. and realize sort of the best of themselves. I don't take that lightly, that that is a part of you and your Thank constitution. You. Yeah. Talk about the sense of responsibility you have when you close down on a mm. given night and you think mm. about the role that you have where mm. it's a little bit like a runaway roller coaster, but in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of the value that you take as a human being in that, because I think yeah. that's a, a big adjustment as adults. Yeah. I, 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 first off, thank you. And I appreciate that. And, you know, I'd like to think that's always been part of who I am. It certainly came to the forefront when I was ahead of an international school in Beijing as an American during COVID. And, you know, if you ever want to learn something quick, go through that experience. And, I, you know, I found very quickly, as I said to my staff in, in China, and what, where we came together, because it, we were on balance, a younger school, we skewed younger, and we lost a lot, a lot, a number of kids dropped out as COVID was first hitting in China and then around the world and no one really understood it. And so I had, I went to my staff and I said, how do we do this? You know, like we're in this together. It doesn't have to be my, they, they probably still, if they ever hear this will be a smile and be annoyed. It doesn't have to be my idea. It just has to be the right idea. So I'm, let's sit together and come to me. And, you know, as an American that feels very American, I've never felt more American than being in Beijing during COVID. But I was able to get, I think, the best out of this multinational team to come to the place where everybody in that moment, there is no time for hubris. There is no time for, you know, your idea, my idea, just that's a great idea. Let's go work on it. And it, it came out that we Within a year and a half of COVID, we had our largest ever enrollment, and it was amazing. And the kids were happy, staff was happy, things are going really, really well. So, to your point, which again I thank you for, that's what I took that that built upon who I was, I think already. And then I took from that that, hey, we there are great ideas floating around outside where I am right now. All I just have to be brave enough to listen and then help make it happen. And if that's what we can do, 
that's the part where <laughs> for the book we're going to write, Ron, um, <laughs> around right. how do we get other people to do that? Because that's where all the great stuff happens. Yeah. Well, I, I'm excited to to watch from afar. Hopefully, this will be the first of many conversations, but to see yeah. what you uh, and Nia, the New England Innovation Academy, are going to do and achieve. I think you're going to push the boundaries in an incredibly positive way with young people leading the charge. I would encourage folks to go to niaacademy.org. That's N-E-I academy.org to learn more about Ben, uh, his colleagues there, and the wonderful projects the students are working on. Um, continued success. I look forward to the next conversation. Thank you so much, Rod. I'm Thank your you host. You're welcome, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.